Good morning. Anybody thankful for Jesus today? Amen. Last week, I started a two-week series, really that were just my thoughts as your pastor about some of the things that are happening in the world, and they are a little bit less of a sermon series and more of a my heart to your heart, and just thinking about what it means to trust the process, what it means for God to be sovereign, for God to be in control, for us not to be, and for us to navigate our way through that, because as we have been watching around our world and all of the things that are taking place, and if you're human, which you are, it's really easy for things to creep into our our heart and mind and soul and begin to ask the question, well, where where is God in the earthquake? Where is God in the hurricane? Where is God in my suffering? Where is God? And so last week we we talked a little bit about what it means to trust the process, what it means for God to be God and for you to be you. And what I want to do today is take that a little bit farther. So if you have your uh, journal, get it out. And uh, we've got some notes laying around. Feel free to get up and get one if you don't have one. Or you can get on the Version Bible app and look under events. And uh, we are there. But what I want to do today is preach a message to you called the other side of the coin. The other side of the coin. Somebody lift up your voice and say the coin. All right. We all know the coin, right? And so you can pick up any coin. And it will always be that coin, but there's always two sides of the coin, and they give you different information about that coin. And so uh, I want to compare your life today to a coin, because on the one side of every coin that you have is what? A face, right? The head of somebody, all right? And uh, on the coin of your life, on one side is God, there, there is the reality that God is God. And then on the other side is you. There are two sides of that coin. And unless we can reconcile the two sides of those coin, of that coin, of your life, um, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle with the realities that our world faces. Because when... The world fell at the beginning of creation when God walked into that garden and said, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they were hiding because they had chosen sin. Um, Everything changed. The Bible says death and sin entered the world. And that even right now, the earth is groaning, longing for the return of Christ. And so you and I live in that struggle. We live in that reality that things are not the way they're supposed to be. And even Jesus, when he was with his disciples, teaching them to pray, taught them to pray that God would use them to bring his kingdom on earth just as is in heaven. Because we all live in that reality that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. And so what I want to do today is look at that from those two perspectives, and I want to give you four facts that you need to know about God. Four facts that you need to know about God. And then on the flip side of that, I want to look at four facts you need to acknowledge 
about yourself. Okay. Because there are facts. We just got to acknowledge those facts, right? And so, but let's talk about God first. If you have a Bible, go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. This is a difficult portion of scripture. I'm just going to be real with you. It is one of those scriptures where if your trust is not in the Lord, it's going to be, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult passage. But what I want to do is I want to look at the characteristics of God that we find here. Just four of them. We could spend six weeks just on Romans chapter nine. So my goal today is not to dive in underneath all of it and mine the depths of this scripture. There are whole books written on Romans chapter nine. So that that's not my goal today, but my goal today is for you to hear my heart and walk through four things that I hope you can at least begin to hang your hat on, maybe not wrap your head around, but hang your hat on that are actually good news, what might come across as a hard thing, but is actually a really good thing. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 that he came to set the captives free, to uh, release the prisoner, to give sight to the blind, and uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what we want to do is look at this and say, why, why is this good news for me? But before we do that, four facts you need to know about God. Romans chapter 9, look at verse 14. Here's what the Bible says. What should we say then? All right, so this is referring back to the statement before that, which is not going to be on the screen. But basically what happens is uh, Israel is questioning the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, and their role in that. And so uh, Paul comes down and says, God has said... I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. And that's hard. That's hard no matter how you slice it. That God has loved Jacob and hated Esau. In other words, that God has chosen to give his mercy on some and not on others. And then Paul's going to go and flesh that out for us. And uh, we need to look at what is the heart of God behind it. So so that that's the setting and here's what he goes. So Paul answers this question and he says, "What should we say then? Is there injustice with God?" This is a question our culture is asking. It is always amazing to me that people that don't have faith in God, that don't believe in God, and maybe don't even believe there is a God, when stuff like these natural disasters happen, they immediately want to ask the question, well, where was God in that? Why thought you didn't believe in God? <laughs> so why now do we need to answer the question? If you don't believe that there is a God, why am I answering this question? They're asking the question because within the heart of every man is the knowledge that there is a God. And so we have to step into that question. And the church, we need to answer the questions that people are asking. The Bible says to be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lives within you. It's not the pastor's job. It's your job as a Christian to be the good news that bring the gospel to people. And the Bible says that it is the gospel of peace. And so what is the answer? Paul says, is there injustice with God? It's a great question. It's a great question. And, and here's his answer. Absolutely not. For he tells Moses, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. The first thing you need to know about God 
and you can hang your hat on, and it's the first blank in your notes, is that God is always right. God is always right. You may not understand it all the time, but here's one thing that you can take to the bank every day of the week. God is always right. And and the reason that God is always right is because his ways are higher than our ways. One of the things that ought to bring you great comfort as a human being is that you don't know as much as God knows. That should not drive fear into your heart. That should drive confidence in your heart. That should not drive fear into your heart. It should drive faith into your heart. Because if you knew everything God knew, you would be God and I would be in serious trouble. (laughs) And vice versa. If I was God, you would be in horrible, horrible trouble. That would be horrible news. We put on our wall back there that we believe in good news because Jesus is good news. The gospel is good news. And one aspect of God's character is that he knows more than you. God is always right. And so I love, yes, thank you, Baylor. I'll take it. I receive that blessing. All right. <laughs> Training her in the way she should go. Talking back to the preacher. Amen. All right. But, uh. What was I talking about? I'm just kidding. Um, Man, she's so cute. But uh, God is always right. God is always right. She said, amen. All right. God's always right. That that should build confidence in you that God is always right. And uh, it's interesting here. He brings up Moses. (laughs) What a wild ride Moses went on. One of the things I love about the Bible, speaking of building faith into your life and building confidence in your life, is the characters in the Bible. They were characters. All right? Not one of them is a hero worth emulating. Maybe Enoch was the closest, but God didn't give us all the details of his life. He just said Enoch walked with God. But every one of them, even the best of the best, like Job, you know, who God was in the throne room of heaven talking with Uh, the devil, and he says, man, Job is a righteous man. How many of you would love for God to be in heaven looking the devil in the eye and saying, yeah, well, Mitch is a righteous man. You can do whatever you want to Mitch. You can do whatever you want to Job. He's a righteous man. But even Job (laughs) got into it, into the mess, into the suffering, into the difficulty. A man, he suffered. I'm going to talk about suffering. And he asked God a question, just a question. And God brings three chapters of rebuke to Job. Like, who are you to ask me? Where were you when I spoke the earth into existence? Where were you? And he just goes on and on. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Moving on. And Moses, I mean, Moses, poor Moses, was called as a leader to lead God's people out of captivity and into freedom and into the promise that God had given to them. And man, Moses got angry. Moses was, <laughs> Moses did a lot of stuff to the point where God didn't even let him go in the promised land, but yet God worked through him. And, uh, we have faith because of that. God is always right. Whether we can see it or not. And you can rest your 
hat on that. And we'll, we'll come back to that on the other side of the coin. But uh, the first one there is God is always right. Number two. Number two, look at verse 16. So Paul has basically said God is always right. He's going to have compassion on who's going to have compassion. He's going to have mercy on who he's going to have mercy. And uh, there is no injustice with God. He's always right. But look at verse 16 here. So then, it does not... Why is that good news? I love this verse. Why is that good news? So then, it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason so that I may display my power in you and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. Verse 18, so then he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Number two, God is always merciful. God is always merciful. You see, one of the things that's so great about God being always right is that God is always merciful. You see, if you and I were always right, we wouldn't always be loving in that. Because, see, Mitch is not love. The Bible says God is love. And so if Mitch was all-powerful, Mitch would use his power to serve Mitch. (laughs) God is all-powerful, but God is also merciful. And so what's beautiful about this is we get this hard truth that God is always right, even when I don't like it but for the express purpose of showing his goodness and mercy. You see the connection there? That yes, God will harden who he wants to harden, but it's always to put his mercy on display. So when you look at a natural disaster like we have been seeing around the world, um, we look at that and we go, "Mm, I I struggle to reconcile that in my heart. But when you get on the other side of that coin, what has been the outcome of those natural disasters? There has been total devastation. But I just read an article, I should have told you about it last week, that the church, that faith-based organizations, which that's what they call it, but it's the church has risen up and has doubled the effort that FEMA is putting out. All right, And, and we're not surprised by that because – That is what the church is called to do. So in the midst of what is great darkness, the light shines the brightest. And so we have a responsibility. You have a responsibility that when we are uh, in the midst of stormy seasons of life, that you take the resources God has given you and steward them into the lives of other people. And so what we know is that God is always right, but it's always because he's merciful. He's merciful. He's always right. But he's always merciful. And then through that, look at verse 19, and we'll go on to number three here. Look at verse 19. You will say to me, therefore, another good question. Paul's a very smart man. Why then does he still find fault? Why then does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? It's a great question. Theologians have been arguing about this for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. Why does he still find fault? Not like Paul's answer. (laughs) But who are you, a mere man, to talk back to God? Will what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor? 
And what if God, wanting to display his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? Now, we're going to come back to the good news, but let's talk about this first. Number three, God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Nothing has ever been created by God or set into motion by God that did not have a plan and a purpose. Uh, you might have heard it said this way. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Everything in God's economy has a purpose. And God always has a plan. And that's good news because we can rest our hat on that, that no matter what happens in my life, God is always in control. Always. There's never a moment where God is not looking at you and have things under control. And that should bring you confidence because there's never anything that God is surprised by. Nothing. One of the things that I know that we struggle with in the Coon family, um, if you know my wife, you know, like we, we've got a plan and we do things, boom, boom, boom. And that's just, we get it done. And so, I mean, just in everything. But what happens when God puts something in your life that you cannot control, especially if you're type A? Anybody type A in the room? Let me come on, show your hands. Raise them high. I know you want to. All right. Four of you are being honest. All right. And the other half of you are lying. But you have a reason for it, so it's okay. And uh, what happens when God takes something out of your control? We panic and we try to fix it. We panic and we try to fix it. But what if God put that in your life? The reason what we talked about last week is that God will put some things in your life, uh, some circumstances in your life, and you're going to pray for God to take them away. And the answer is going to be no, because he's put them there to take control out of your hands. And so God is always right, and he's always merciful, and he's always got a plan. There is always a plan in motion, even if I can't understand it. Always. And number four, look at verse 23. It's going to tie this knot for us as to why he's always right, why he's always merciful, and why he always has a plan. There's a reason for it. Look at verse 23. Verse 23. And what if? Lift up your voice and say, what if? All right? Circle that in your Bible if you can. And what if? What if? He did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory on us, the ones he also called not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. As it also says in Hosea, I will not call my people, my people and she who is unloved, beloved. God is always generous. God is always generous. We know that God's always right. His ways are higher than our ways. We know that God's always merciful because we're breathing. And we know that God has always had a plan because he's been working it since the beginning of time. The heavens declare the glory of God. We, we can just walk outside and know that there's something bigger than us, that God's always working, always moving, always has a plan. But it's always because he's generous. God is always generous. The Bible says, what if God is doing all of these things to display the riches of his glory on the objects he's prepared for mercy? 
There is always good news, even in the difficult times. One of the things that uh, set my mind free, and maybe it'll set yours free today, is that the only reason we ever know that there's good news is because there's bad news. If, if the bad news was never there, we would never know what it meant for there to be good news. That if evil wasn't there, we wouldn't know that good existed. And so there's two sides of the coin in life that, yes, we're seeing the bad, but because we know there's bad, we also know that there's good. And so you as the church are called to be part of the good, to bring good news. It's a core value at this church because it was a core value of Jesus. Jesus said in John 3.17 that he did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so we are a part of that. If you're not dead, you're not done. You've got a job to do, to be good news, to be light in the darkness. And light shines brightest in the darkness. Okay, God's always right. He's always merciful and he always has a plan and he's always generous. How do we know he's always generous? A great example Paul brings up here is Hosea. If you've never done a Bible study in Hosea, you've got to go home this week and do a Bible study in Hosea because it'll change your life. It'll change your life because the story of Hosea is Hosea is a prophet and God comes to him and says, I want you to marry Gomer. The first thing we said is, why Gomer? Why? Why do we have to name our child Gomer? All right? Unless, you know, you're looking for a name. Any any pregnant ladies in the house need a name? Gomer? Gomer? No? Okay. Moving on. All right. She's like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Gomer. And so comes Hosea. And so once, once Hosea gets past that, I made that part up, but I'm confident he had to ask that question. Um, he gets past that. Here, here's the real problem with God asking Hosea to go marry Gomer. Gomer was a prostitute. And so God tells Hosea, go and marry Gomer. She's a prostitute. So you're going to have to take some money. You have to take your hard-earned money, your hard-earned cash. Go down to the brothel, which is where uh, prophets of God don't spend time, by the way. It's very unclean there. And that's just not where a man of God would be. God tells Hosea to go there and find Gomer and purchase Gomer. So he does that, purchases her, brings her back. They get married. They have a couple kids. And uh, maybe Hosea thought life was good. But then the Bible tells us that Gomer leaves her husband, leaves her kids, goes back to the brothel and begins to prostitute herself again. At that point, we as good Christians would say, you got biblical grounds, divorce. <laughs> See you later, Gomer. I've had enough of that. No, no, no. God comes to Hosea and says, I want you to go back to the brothel, and I want you to buy Gomer back a second time. At that point, you and I would have been like, <laughs> that was the devil talking. That was not the Holy Spirit. All right? But no, God tells God tells Hosea to go, and so he goes back and buys Gomer back a second time. And can you imagine what that would have been like coming back to your home after the second time? You you left me. I love you. You left me. You left our kids, and you went and – of all the things you could have done, you went and prostituted yourself. 
But then God comes and drops a truth bomb in all of our laps and says, here's, here's the reality, Hosea. I had you walk through all that because what you are picturing is my relationship to my people. That you, okay, are you looking, are you tracking with me? You, every one of you and me, we are Gomer. We are the ones who day in and day out receive the blessings and mercy of God and are saved and redeemed and rescued out of who we were. And yet we turn around, we go straight back to it day in and day out. And every day God comes in with his generous mercy, his mercy and riches of his glory prepared in advance for you. And he comes after you every day, day in and day out, even though you are not searching for him, you're searching for yourself. And he comes after you every day and rescues you out of that. And he says, that is the picture of my love. That is the picture of my grace and my mercy. God is a generous God. And you can hang your hat on the fact that regardless of what you see in the world, God is always moving. And he's moving to show the riches of his glory because he's a generous God. He brings up Hosea here because Hosea had to live that firsthand. God's always right. He's always merciful. He always has a plan. And he's always generous. And there's a substantial portion of our culture that is offended by a lot of what I just shared. But what you and I know is that by not refusing to acknowledge the other side of the coin, which is you, uh, we're actually looking at good news here. And, and, and here's why. You're going to catch on to this very quickly, but, but here, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about four things you need to acknowledge about yourself before we close. Four things you need to acknowledge about yourself. Okay? You, you just track with me here. Number one, you are not always right. Come on, somebody love you and say amen to that. You are not always right. Amen. Half of you are honest. It's hard for those of you that are type A to admit that, I know. But you're not. God is always right. You are not always right. And until you truly come to grips with that, you are going to struggle. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle in your marriage. You're going to struggle in your parenting. You're going to struggle in your friendships. You're going to struggle in evangelism. You're just going to struggle. Because if, if, if we can't lay down our life, so much of what God has called you to do is going to be so much more difficult with you at the helm than with God at the helm. Bible talks a lot about living a spirit-filled life. Bible talks about laying down your life and picking up the cross. Sacrifice, because you're not always right. Number two, you are not always merciful. God is always merciful. You see where I'm going with this? God is always merciful, but you are not always merciful. We are supposed to live out what the Bible gives us as the golden rule, right? That we are to treat others the way we want to be treated. But most of the time we get that backwards. We say, if you treat me how I want to be treated, I'll treat you how you want to be treated. But that's not what God's called us to do. 
You see, when, when we begin to wrap our head back into the process that God is working and begin to trust the process that God has laid out before the foundations of the earth, we begin to change. We begin to see things the way he sees them. We begin to live the way he's called us to live because it's all about his power at work in us, not our power at work for him. Huge difference. And we have to trust the process because we're not always merciful. God has called us to be uh, agents of reconciliation, that our job is to be people that bring reconciliation to the world. Is that the reputation of the church? Is that the reputation of Redeemer City Church? That we would see people coming together with Christ because we're bringing good news. That's why we do what we do. The Bible says that we're literally Christ's ambassadors to the world. And then the Bible says, literally, God making his appeal to the world through you. What kind of appeal is being made? What kind of appeal is being made? You know, last week we talked about we got to love people before we fix people. If you go in with the fixed mentality, you're not going to reach anybody. That's not being an ambassador for the Lord. If Jesus came and in Luke chapter 4 and John chapter 3 said that he wasn't there to condemn people but to set them free, but you come in with condemnation, you're, you're, not, you're not even doing what God called you to do. And so um, we've got to wrap our head around both sides of the coin, that God's merciful, but I'm not always merciful. And we have to live spirit-filled. <laughs> Number three, God always has a plan, but you don't always have a plan. Even if you're the kind of person that always has a plan, God will not allow you to always have the plan. How many of you have learned that the hard way? If you don't have kids, but you want to, God will just let you know that you don't always have a plan as soon as they come out. All right. Or as soon as you adopt them. Unpredictable. It's a picture of grace. You do not always have a plan, and that is a great thing. Because with when we always have a plan, that, that's that's honestly one of the great struggles for for me as an American Christian is that we have the resources to always have a plan. I've been fortunate to travel the world and, and see Christians in other cultures who don't have the resources that we have, and they're so happy. They're so happy. And so next Sunday, I want you all to come back because we're going we're gonna to have a vision Sunday, and I'm going to lay out some things that God has put on our heart uh, as a church and some of the things that we're going to start to get involved in. And I, wa- I want you to be there because I want you to be a part of it. And uh, God's doing some incredible things around the world and in this city, and uh, he's called us to be a part of it. And so, man, I'm so excited to share that with you. But we have to learn how to trust the process first. We have to trust in the mercy of God. We have to trust in the plan that God has and and be ready with an answer. And then number four, God's always generous, but you're not always generous. I'm not always generous. Uh, and that that is an important rec, uh, recognition for us. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, uh, man, very few things... Uh, trip us up like our money, like our resources, like our abilities. And uh, what could be used as a great tool becomes a great idol. 
and I'm not even just talking about tithing right now. I'm just talking about in your life as a, as, as a human being as to how you use your money. Like, are you being generous? Are you being a good neighbor? Are you being a generous person? So we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks. But I just want you to look at these two sides of the coin. All right. And I want you to reverse them now. You're not always right. But God is always right. And that is good news. You are not always merciful, but God is always merciful. That's good news. You don't always have a plan, or at least one that works, but God always has a plan, and it always works. And number four, we aren't always generous, but God is always generous. Can you give an amen to the Lord today? Anybody thankful for Jesus that uh, he came to earth and did for you what you could never do for yourself? Amen? All right, let's pray together. And, uh the band's going to come back up and lead us in one more song here in a second. But God, I'm so grateful for your word. I'm grateful that you are greater than we, and uh, we are greater than me, and uh, that there's good news all around us.